welcome to Defen, episode number 46, with uh, me, Vijay. Uh, that's narcissistic. I think I should start with the guest first. <laughs> um, with with Roman Lyutikov. Yeah, that Is was that? the right one. <laughs> yeah. I so struggle I, I, a little bit, but yeah, that was pretty good. Very good. <laughs> I would say Dobro Otro or Dobro? Uh, yeah. Dobro Vacher. Vacher, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Ah. <laughs> okay. So, welcome to the episode. Um, hello, Ray. Yeah, hi. Here as well from uh, windy Belgium. It's very windy today. Where, where are you, Roman? Where, which uh, country? Uh, are you? Kiev, Ukraine. In the Ukraine. Okay. It's finally warm here. The sun is gone. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think there's some elections or something going on, right? I just saw something on BBC, some discussions about Ukrainian leadership or elections or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I guess it should be in March. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So we have yeah, a very, the... very strong campaign going on everywhere. Mm. Well, you've had it's a complicated couple of years, haven't you? Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, so, maybe you don't want to get too into that, though, because, you know... Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, big, sure. uh, a big Welcome to Ukrainian one. Politics Podcast, yeah. well, episode one. <laughs> one, of the things that, one of the things I did see in the news over the weekend, though, was... Uh, I, I don't know if it's... I think it's Russia more than Ukraine, actually. Was this... Um, there's a river or a lake or whatever between two straits that becomes frozen, um, and cars drive over it. Cars drive over the ice, and uh, I was absolutely astonished, you know, that these uh, <laughs> these cars were and the, the people, you know, the local people, the local supervisory administrative people, make sure it's all good. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so it is. It is part of the highway or something. Not highway, but no, it's, it's part of the regular road. Or no, something. no, no, no. It's just. It's just. It's just a the, the straight between the two parts of Russia open fro freeze. Sometimes yeah. really it gets very mm -hmm. the ice gets very thick, so they can actually drive a car over it, and, wow. and these fuckers do it, you know. So I, do, I mean, you, you've got to have balls to do that, don't you? You know. <laughs> but that's I, I was in I was in um, Budapest uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they, the the history was pretty much similar because the in in winter the the river Danube uh, freezes over, yeah. so. You can actually walk on that one because they don't have any bridges to, to cross the thing. Right, so in summer, right. it's like they really have to go really far to cross the bridge or something. All right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a weather talk. Wasn't think, there a famous uh, yeah. maths problem about the Danube bridges? Is that Euler? What, was it Danube bridges? The seven, six bridges or seven bridges oh, thing, right? it wasn't them. Okay. Yeah, probably something else. Yeah. Okay, right. sorry. <laughs> so I think we finished politics. We finished weather. Now we can get to the real topics. <laughs> So, uh, Roman, welcome to the podcast. Um, can you give us some introduction about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm Roman. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, nice Roman. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm a front-end developer working with Clojure maybe five, last four years or three years or something commercially. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now I'm working for Pitch. And doing front end there, and basically what, what is pitch? To, so pitch is a um, Berlin-based startup. They are coming from Wunderlist, the to-do app. Oh, okay. yeah, so the pitch is a new product of Wunderlist team. Hmm. Yeah, we are doing presentation software for web and desktop, and so it's based in Closure and Closure Script web stack. 
Ah, so okay. even the even the desktop one is also in closure and closure script. Yeah, yeah, it's Electron. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So it's like a competitor to Prezi or something or or a bit um competitor like, to Keynote probably or? Yeah, yeah, I would say. Okay. Yeah. We okay, still try nice. to in- innovate somewhere so we can mm. be every, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's still work in progress. Are you are you the master of CSS transitions? Oh, we have I think Marvin is the master of the CSS transition. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> that strikes me as like the like the like the beauty of, of of like the web presentation type stuff. Those those animations that can drive the hardware on the web browser, the CSS stuff. Ah, yeah, you mean that? Yeah, sure. It's it's actually very nice to be able to use web stuff in presentations because you have already everything built by other people. You can just use it. <laughs> right, right, right. You don't need to implement everything. Just everything is already done for you. Yeah. yeah. So what what is the stack do you use? Um, uh, of course, it's Clojure and Clojure Script, but any specific libraries or I, something? I think it's pretty basic. So it's uh, on the front end, it's a reagent, reframe, spec. Mm. Um, I don't know much about backend because I didn't work with it, but I don't think we have any, anything special there as well. Yeah. Hmm. But before coming to Clojure, or, or how did you end, end up writing Clojure stuff? Uh, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> was, <I> don't, <laughs> okay, That's, moving on then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it like you've had a memory wipe, you know? So everything else before <laughs> that, it was obviously total Bullshit. dog shit. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I just remember the good stuff. Everything else is like reset. <laughs> struck me immediately. Yeah. You've only got durable, persistent data structures as of closure <laughs> in your head. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't have enough memory to keep the old ones. Or, or maybe you switch to like, you know, like a core async channel. So there is a buffer of only like two languages and only one language. So that's it. Rest of the shit is like dropped. I mean, who cares? You know, dropping buffer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the time I was working at a company. And we were doing the front end in React and it was before the Redux came out. So the whole thing about like global immutable state was, let's say, unknown mm-hmm. to the front end mm-hmm. community. And somehow I've seen a couple of talks on ClojureScript probably on the internet. And in the same time, I found a blog post from some other guy. I think he's it's completely unknown in the community that but it was he was talking about the global state uh, like pure t- transformations and all of that stuff and um, i understood that this kind of matches the closure script and mm-hmm. then i started reading a lot about it um tr- just tried it and i've been trying it for i don't know maybe a couple of years and because like coming from JavaScript, it's super foreign in everything, like yeah. <laughs> from all the sides. Yeah, but yeah. at some at some point, uh, I decided to maybe find a job, and luckily I found a job even here in Ukraine on site. Mm. Because usually, like when you want to do closure, it's most likely somewhere not in your country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, how is that remote. how is that possible like every every That's person true. we talk to they say it's not in our country i mean i don't like <laughs> yeah exactly there must be know. somewhere like <laughs> some people living in the same country yeah <laughs> it's yeah, always this, on the, the other side <laughs> yeah the interesting thing was is that um i didn't know about it but when you go to when you want to work with closure no one is actually 
asking you to be super professional about it. You just want, want to be passionate. <laughs> I mean, like, you obviously need to be like a good engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. given the size of the community, like no one expects you to be super good at closure, just want to learn it. Yeah, I think this is the this is it's it's a good thing, right? I think it's probably a long time ago. I think Paul Graham wrote this blurb, blurb or blurb paradox. Like the people who yeah. are drawn to this kind of languages are actually more interested in learning stuff and doing things. So that that means you know you're you're learning a non-mainstream language. That means you're actually interested in programming. You know, not just for Oh, let me get a job at a huge corporation writing Java. I know yeah. I'm, I'm done. So, mm -hmm. I guess that's a, that's probably the, the like a litmus test or something. So, my Python become pretty big these days. I think uh, he was giving Python as an example uh, back in the day, but it looks like uh, Clojure will never become like Java. So you always have this nice advantage. Yeah, it's like the people who are more, who are actually interested in this thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, how do you compare uh, so your experience uh, doing front-end stuff before React and after React and before ClojureScript and after ClojureScript? Well, before React, I wasn't doing much, let's say, or like, mm. as you say, complex applications, right? I was doing yep. a little bit of Angular, but mostly it was a pure JavaScript or some jQuery shit or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> there was like jQuery mobile where people started doing mm. web yeah. applications. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was a pain given like the size of the projects that I've been working on, but obviously like more abstract UI mm. uh, stuff like React is like a component system and the state model it's much better right yeah yeah it's less and, granular let's say so the right now you're you're working with a front-end heavy application essentially right in the, yeah. yeah it's it's extremely uh, because it's more or less trying to perform like a native application yeah and especially mm -hmm. like presentation software it's uh, basically the, the complexity is on a, on a client because it's highly interactive yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, what is the what are the challenges that that you are uh, that that you have building this kind of stuff in ClojureScript and Electron? Uh, I would say performance, mm -hmm. uh, but not um, it's not related to Electron itself, but the characteristics of the of the ClojureScript, like persistent data structures, uh, interpretation of the hiccup at runtime. Uh, Sometimes it's not expensive, but when you build a, a lot of stuff, it just add, adds up. And at some point, you see that there is kind of obvious ways to optimize it. But sometimes it's just the baseline, and you cannot yeah. you cannot do anything about it. But mm. yeah. So I, you mean I, hiccup I has the, hiccups? <laughs> what? Hiccup has hiccups every now yeah. and then. <laughs> hiccup has burps. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but in general, it's um, it's very nice to work with it because previously, uh, when I switched to Closure Script, I started with uh, Ohm, but uh, I get past it very fast because it was a little bit, I don't know, it's just too much code to write, and it seems like Closure should be a little bit simpler than that. Mm -hmm. So I switched to RAM, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Nikita Prokopov project, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, RAM was nice, especially because it compiles hiccup in with macros. Mm. So you end up with just uh, basically JavaScript code without any interpretation. Yeah, but then I tried Reagent and it's really nice to have this ability to compose hiccup at runtime, even though you pay the cost for interpretation. But sometimes it, it helps a lot to be able to do that. Mm. And also you, you, use, you use functions. That is, I mean, the, you don't really need this composability of components in React. I mean, if you use macros, you cannot compose that, right? Mm. But even in Reagent, because it's it's function it's uh, functions, it's some things are much nicer to do with it. Yeah. So if you go back to this performance issue, uh, Roman, um, what what do you how do you measure this performance? What what kind of like uh, do you have some browser tools or the Google Dev tools or what what do you do? Uh, there is a obviously performance panel in Chrome DevTools. So Chrome mm -hmm. DevTools is basically the best debugger that we have. I don't know, like Firefox is more or less good, but they are trying to push other things that are not present in Chrome. But Chrome is very good at profiling JavaScript these mm -hmm. days. So they have this performance panel, so you can have uh, flame graphs. And also you know, React DevTools has their own uh, flame graph which uh, it's, uh, it's works specifically on component render types. So instead mm -hmm. of showing every function in separate, they're showing mm -hmm. you how the components, how much time it takes to render them. And it's really helpful because you can see all the interactions that you had on a page and what was the constant consequence of uh, mm -hmm. this interaction when it's rendering the component interacting with DOM and also React itself in development mode. Um, uses the Chrome DevTools API to basically mark the flame graphs with some additional metadata so you can see uh, not only the functions that are being called, but uh, different stages of the life of the React component. Okay. So it's really a, a good deep dive into performance. Because, mm. yeah. I mean, one of the arguments about re, uh, you know, React in general, and maybe it's the things on top of it, is that in theory, you should set your you should set your screen, and then the only you should only render the differences. So the the performance in general should be better for or at least more predictable for React based apps than for like standard JavaScript apps. Would you say that plays out in reality in your applications? Yeah, sure, sure. Especially with stuff like Reframe, where you can subscribe only the parts of the UI to the parts mm. of the state, it, it's, yeah, it's true. true. There's a subscription <laughs> stuff in Reframe is very good, especially that you, you can compose it in very different ways. Mm. It's very nice. But do you use a Reframe as well, or, or is it just a reagent? No, it's a, it's a reagent with Reframe. OK, so the application architecture is driven by Reframe, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, OK, it's... OK. So, um, so you're also playing with uh, porting REPL onto Android, right? Yeah, can or, we just stay you... on the reframe for a second, mate? <laughs> sure. We've got a bit more time. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we need to dig a bit deeper here. Yes. <laughs> we'll come to the interesting stuff later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's do the boring stuff first. No, no. I, I, well, I, I like reframe a lot, so I think it's quite interesting. I was wondering whether 
for instance, whether you've got any mileage out of this Reframe 10X project, because um, they're, they're, that Reframe, I've used it myself fairly recently, and um, some bits were quite nice, but some bits I, I didn't really understand what was going on. So I was wondering if you've used it very much yourself. Um, not much. We, we actually used it in, in pitch, but I don't remember what was the reason, but we switched to our own kind of clone of Reframe 10X with reduced functionality. I, I don't remember what was the reason. And maybe it even was uh, swapped before I joined. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I was wondering if it's possible to uh, watch subscriptions, all the Reframe subscriptions in the Reframe hmm. 10X. Hmm. If it's possible to do that, or not? yes, it is possible to do that. Yes. Oh, that's very nice because I, I sometimes I needed a lot just to to be able to list all the values, all the current values in subscriptions. That yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. And you can you can filter it as well, and so you can only watch certain subscriptions or certain, and you can watch like across time. So you, it has this epoch time model. So mm -hmm. yeah, well, worth worth dredging out again, maybe. It uh, could be good for you uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of understanding what's going on. Is it possible to use web workers or something like that? Because I'm still wondering um, how can you squeeze the maximum performance out of an Electron app? Because um, I did some iOS development, so that's basically in, in Objective-C. So there it's a bit different, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's just like the performance uh, graphs and everything that you see and how much time it is taking to re-render. Um, but uh, is, it, is it still possible to get like native level speeds using reframe inside electron inside something i don't know i, I don't mm. think so because of the all the legacy stuff that lives in a browser there is yeah. some baseline that you cannot go past <laughs> yeah uh, but maybe when you're running on a desktop maybe you can configure the the instance somehow give it more memory more <laughs> yeah. cpu i don't know like force it to use the hardware instead of like software renderer, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean that's that's the nice thing about CSS rendering, isn't it? Is that it does use yeah. the hardware and you know. So, I mean, you know, that's that's pretty much as fast as native. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you, you know, if depends depends on what you're doing. I mean, a lot of the the React native stuff or the React stuff in general should render just as fast because it's do you know it's doing a lot of intelligent. Uh, Doing, you know, there's a lot of uh, the algorithm is quite clever in terms of how it only changes the small amount, and also you're because you're using uh, these subscriptions, you're only you're only capturing changes from you know each event, so the code is very light for for managing that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, but if it's you know if it's, if you're thinking in terms of like the mo the most native stuff is games, and I don't think it's going to compete on that sort of stuff really. You know, that's why we were talking, you know, to Tim's gardener, wasn't it, about about native stuff for consoles and PCs. Yeah. I mean, it's a different ballgame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there it's the um, performances. I mean, there, there's a different benchmark for performance yeah. uh, there probably. Yeah. 60 yeah, frames yeah. a second, that kind of stuff. You know, you're not going to yeah, get yeah, that exactly. probably with uh, most reframe. Yeah. You don't need it for most reframe apps. You know, it's not a measure that you need. But what, I think in, in general, I think it's, it's more geared towards like a normal uh, up applications like normal ones which are you know you can yeah, online booking things or whatever that kind of ui heavy but still not uh, you don't need a lot of transitions because one thing that uh, roman I'm, I'm curious about pitch is because you need a lot of these these things as well right i mean it's not a traditional okay i have a form and then i'm gonna fill in some stuff and it's not like that yeah so uh, how is the 
compared to your uh, other application that you're building um like because pitch needs to be probably or, or the application that you're working on um requires a lot of these uh, optimizations so is there anything that that comes to your mind that you you try differently in closure script to to help with the performance i don't know i would say the performance are good so far probably mm -hmm. the main bottlenecks are somewhere where you need i don't know like measure stuff measure the dome talk talk to dome frequently yeah mm. this is usually is going to slow down the rendering the updates yeah but yeah. in general it's i would say it's really good even though we already have a lot of stuff going on on the, on the screen yeah yeah and it's how do you do the ui testing are, for this by the way sorry what uh sorry go on you said yeah i i, I wanted to say that usually stuff is getting slower when you when you're just uh, rendering more UI, like instead of testing on one item, you like have hundred of them, and yeah. then you start seeing like how small, slow things are just adding up, and it, as a whole thing, it's much slower. Yeah. Yeah. And and how do you do the UI testing? Is there some sort of an automated thing or any any library that you use? No, we use uh, a Spectron. It's as a kind of um, I don't know what is the traditional. UI, like headless browser. Phantom JS. Oh, Selenium, Phantom right? JS. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Selenium. Headless Chrome, okay. I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Spectron is something like JavaScript, Node.js wrapper for headless Chrome. Hmm. So that's mm -hmm. right. We don't we and, don't do fancy stuff like um, running um, I don't know reframe handlers on JVM because it's just pure closure or something <laughs> like that. So we don't spend too much time on uh, on testing everything because at the end of the day, if user flow works, like if clicking buttons mm. is doing what you intended to do, so that's fine. If there is some error in the console and it doesn't cause anything on the UI or <laughs> in logic, yeah. that's okay. Do you have to test mm. across browsers though? Because you know that's the, the bane of every web developer, isn't it? It's like, Internet yeah. Explorer. Ah. <laughs> so you know, what's the story then there? They're also moving to Chrome Engine, right? Internet Explorer yeah. is also moving to the well, Chrome. Well, uh, yeah, the Edge browser is, but you know, there's yeah. still a lot of shit out there. Yeah. 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 People but I think for for you probably it's not a problem, right, Roman? Because you just no, but we target in web as well. But yeah, oh. I wouldn't say with as much like it's Firefox, Chrome. Yeah, we have a couple of bucks for Edge, but it's just too early to start working on them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it like backlog fills with those tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how is the how is the delivery? Uh, is it uh, like you have a build and you, you generate like platform specific binaries or something, right? Yeah. Uh, just okay. Compiles for every platform, so you have to have Windows CI. Yeah. yeah. And and the communication with the backend doesn't so because there must be some uh, compression or something or because there is a bit of a heavy data at least to initial yeah, sure. application yeah. state. So how do you handle that one? Uh, for now, it's just it's it's a very simple. It's just uh, how do we call it? A, a event polling. Mm -hmm. We just send oh, okay. requests. So you don't use okay. WebSockets just, or transit over WebSockets oh, we, that kind we, of thing. We we would need to use it, but. Like sending a separate HTTP requests is much easier. Hmm. Yeah. But isn't that uh, 
Okay, maybe uh, I don't know about the product fully. I think you're not. You're still in a stealth mode, or at least for the for the product is not uh, yeah, released yeah. yet. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but do you do you plan to have something like um, multiple people collaborating as well? Because that is something that uh, Ray is also working on. Or I think there are a lot of people who are trying these things. Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, well, I mean, Apple, Apple do that for Keynote, don't they? Yes. And Google yeah, do for... They do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe even on the web, by the way. Even on the web, they do the same sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Because right. I remember a long time ago, I think in 2009 or eight or something, there was a company called 260 North or 280 North. Um, mm. They built the online presentation software. Mm. Um, mm. in in javascript but for that one they built something called objective j which is basically port of objective c and then that <laughs> compiles to <laughs> javascript <laughs> that was that was fun thing to try out is it like gwt for objective c <laughs> no it's it's more like uh, closure script actually you know um, okay. so you have objective uh, not even closure script more like typescript essentially mm. Mm. Um, you know, at that time we had this multiple coffee script and all that stuff uh, in, back in the day. Coffee script um, is, by the way, such a nice language, except of some yeah. things in the syntax. But yeah, 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 it's yeah. Very nice. So, like, coffee script was Ruby for JavaScript, right? No, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then we have the Objective J was basically Objective C for JavaScript, and they used that one to build uh, like the online presentation software. It was like replicating entire Cocoa. Uh, API in in that one <laughs> because I remember I, I was contributing to that one for NS string mm. functions or something a long time ago it was a I think there was this wave of porting all the desktop software into web yeah. uh, didn't, I, at didn't some Apple level. buy one of those companies in the end yes yes they did and that's the reason why you see um, iCloud is built using Sprout Core that's it Sprout so Core that's it Sprout yeah. Core yeah. was the was the library yeah, uh, or yeah. the framework mm, yeah. to build this. Yeah. Uh, Isn't Sprout yeah. Core? Where, where are we going with this anyway? Sorry. I mean, isn't Sprout Core turned into Ember.js? Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like because one of the Sprout Core developers started yeah. Ember, and I don't know where Ember is. I think LinkedIn uses Ember heavily these days, or at least they. I see them sponsoring the Ember conferences. Mm. I think Ember is a like um, closure in the world. But like closure in JavaScript oh. community, it's it's oh, there. Yeah. It's good, but a little mm. people know about it. But those who use it are really fond of it. Yeah. <laughs> can can, can <laughs> I come that's back what to I hear from the outside? <laughs> can I come yeah. back to another like web question, uh, which is mm. like which is always a kind of thing that people complain about with. Well, not always, but okay. Fuck it. I'll just say Always. some people complain. <laughs> some people, Basically you. Some people complain uh, that, uh, like security, you know. Yeah, some people complain <laughs> about web security. Um, so I was wondering what you do with web, you know, like cross-site scripting, CSRF, uh, all, this, all this kind of like stuff that people talk about when, when you mm -hmm. get into sort of website, web security. What, what do you do with that? Do you have like a package for it? Do you, or do you just make up your own stuff against the NIST guidelines or you just ignore it because, hey, we're a startup, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's pretty basically the things that obvious to, to have, we do that as well. Yeah. So there, there is nothing like super 
interesting, I would say. <laughs> okay. I think that that security by not telling anybody what kind of security we have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, don't mention it on a podcast. Yeah, whatever you do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, is it something like one of your lawyers is listening to this? Yeah. Thing, you know, like, <laughs> we don't do anything special. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right. So okay, there have been cool. clear guidelines on what to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, I think we have um, uh, one um, uh, standard question that we ask everybody, right? Uh, I think we, we, we discussed it on Twitter as well. So Emacs or some other shit? Some other shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have Emacs. It's, it's right in the center uh, <laughs> of my desktop, the icon. <laughs> Like, so so you I aspire to it's uh, literally shelf work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I open it once a month and like, yeah, okay, that's nice. Mm, can evaluate stuff. Moving on. How I do learn all of these key bindings. And, and you have to go to the process. Let's get, let's get back to real work, open cursive and start writing software. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you have okay. to go to the process manager to kill Emacs then. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I already just busted at this point. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> no, Emacs is pretty nice. You're pretty much an expert at that point, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're in the 1%. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've tried to write a little bit of common Lisp in Emacs, uh, mm -hmm. but then I was too lazy to set it up, so I just downloaded, like, pre pre-configured Emacs, which is just called port Portacle or something. So it basically has anything for uh, for common Lisp already installed, like Slime REPL, all the environment, mm. and it's really nice to work in. Yeah. Okay. But in general, you use uh, IntelliJ or Cursive or... Uh, yeah, yeah, Cursive. Stuff. Okay, nice. It would be, it would be great uh, to, to have an ability to script, uh, to script uh, the IntelliJ, the Cursive. To like you like you do in Emacs, like you can you can configure yep. it with custom scripts. So it would be nice to have this in cursive. And yeah, I think there is some meta programming system or something in in IntelliJ Core. It's called MPS, mm -hmm. uh, but that is more for the I think IDE developers or something. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think you you can have your own uh, scriptable language or macro system or something that you can mm -hmm. use. I, I'm I'm not sure. Because I remember Visual Studio has something like that. You could record the UA actions and then, you know, repeat them. That was, that was a long time ago. You can do that kind of so, thing in IntelliJ. You can definitely do yeah, visual yeah, macros. Record macros. That's no problem. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, but, yeah, you can. It's, uh, that's no problem. Um, so you can, you can record your actions yeah, and then yeah, yeah. replay them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I, I know Visual Studio 5 had this uh, yeah, already. That's so that's like, stuff, like one yeah, of the... Yeah. Super advanced thing. But I think maybe MPS, I don't know. Uh, maybe, but it, it has cursive is written in Kotlin probably. So maybe you can't plug into cursive, maybe. Um, but these days Java has its own REPL, right? So maybe eventually <laughs> you can get now? something. And what what yeah. do you do actually? Interesting, because I, I do a little bit of web stuff as well with uh, IntelliJ. And I, I think the problem to, I've got in general is that you, you, you're if, if you're debugging stuff, you have to go to the Chrome tools to do that. Yeah. Um, it's not too bad. They've got source mapping and that kind of stuff. Is that where you sit a lot of the time as well? In uh, like the, the DevTools debugger and... Not much. Oh, not much, no, no. Mostly just looking at the console where it says, bah! <laughs> and then you can work it out from there. 
No, just, but pr printing stuff always works. You don't have to use the debugger. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, 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 yeah. it works. <laughs> but, but Chrome also has the source code editor, right? You can point to some files and try to edit some shit in that one. But probably it's not useful for, for closure, maybe. But they have the yeah, source sure, maps. Because you have to recompile no, it. No. Yeah. Yeah. no, no, not source maps. What you can do is in Chrome, you can actually open the HTML file in Chrome and edit it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, there is yeah. a source I can link to a folder and then say, okay, yeah. link yeah. to this one. And then I can see the structure and there is some sort of project. Yeah, but in ClojureScript's case, yeah. all of it's, it's all generated, yeah. isn't it? You know, so. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is that like when you have a JavaScript code loaded, you can open it, as you said, in DevTools, but then you can edit it, hit save, and it will just reevaluate. So it's basically like hot reloading built into Chrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is yeah. really cool. So you also use FigWheel probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To to the hot reloading or whatever. So the, the, the well, one of the question for you as well, which I which I think is kind of fascinating with uh, this reframe stuff, because I I've struggled with it recently. So I'm just wondering if you've done anything similar. If you, if you do you use any like um like native like stateful JS components with with uh, the reframe stuff? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So how? Because then you have to use like a different component model for reframe. How's that working out for you? Uh, I'm not sure if we use any like stateful. Well, I mean, thinking I like I, yeah, I, I, Google Maps or uh, or if you have yeah, you know, yeah. some some things that are in, you know where it it just it, 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 with the with normal kind of React. The, ren the mm -hmm. rendering is kind of direct because you know everything is stateless. But if you've got a stateful JS component, then you have to manage it more carefully yourself. Maybe you don't have any, and if if you don't have any, you're lucky because they're a pain in the ass, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I usually just make a wrapper component for it, which uh, uses uh, reframe subscriptions. Yeah. So the important part is that this uh, JavaScript component would provide you the API to consume and provide values, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. If it doesn't have this, like, it, it doesn't matter if it if it keeps the state inside, but the, the important thing is that it has a, the, the API. Yeah, so you can route around it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's usually how it is, but sometimes <laughs> there is those components that you cannot do anything about it. <laughs> have you ever have you ever thought of you know this is becoming have you ever thought of thinking that okay I should do this in JavaScript? Mm, not yet, but sometimes I'm thinking that yeah maybe it would be it would be nice and it, it's actually very nice that you can just go let's say lower level right mm, mm. yeah so you can you can just include okay this part I'm just gonna write in JavaScript because maybe one of these things is like the this component. That is more JavaScript friendly rather than ClojureScript friendly or your model friendly. And yeah. Then you drop down to JavaScript level and then just introduce that part there. It's like the foreign function interface or something. Yes, I, I'm. I'm actually thinking about it. It's. It's interesting that probably. It, probably it's not very common to do in a Clojure or ClojureScript world, right? We tend to write everything in, in our language. <laughs> but, yeah, but you, but you consume a lot of JavaScript libraries, though, don't you? Typically, so. So whether you write them or you take them from third parties, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, like while working on a code, you think perhaps something is slow or just interrupt is not nice. So mm. maybe it would be, it would be nice to keep in mind that you can actually go 
write a JavaScript model and just include it. Mm. Talking of like those kind of things, uh, do you use like the the like the npm like the the what's it called the the the, the shadow the CLJS shadow stuff or do you use the the line the plugins or do you use the fig wheel or the fig wheel main now or the depths what what are your kind of build tools like yeah, these we use, days? we use depths and fig wheel main depths yeah. and I didn't know it but it turns out that fig wheel main can also compile stuff for production yeah, and it has yeah. additional stuff that is already in shadow CLJS as well. So yeah. including NPM is a little bit easier now. Mm. It's very nice. Excellent. Yeah, I must admit, from my perspective, I think the depths.eden stuff on ClojureScript is really, you know, raising the bar a lot. It, you know, I, I hear some people complaining about it. Maybe it's they're all on the Clojure side, but certainly from ClojureScript side, the depths.eden makes everything very, very nice to work with. Pretty simple. Yeah. Personally, for me, it's more like for, for someone who is coming from JavaScript, for me, Depths Eden is more closer to JavaScript world, something like package.json stuff, web right, right, config.js. Yeah. 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 So it's just not that huge project.clg with Depths <laughs> and everything in one file. Yeah. And <laughs> then you have to CLJS build, which seems like a weird tool as well, you know. Yeah. But do you use uh, Lightning in or Boot or which one do you no, use for no. your project? So it's just Fig will main with with Depths. Okay. Yeah, it's all the rage so, now, um, BJ. You know, with uh, the kids. I'm, I'm, you know? <laughs> I'm not into the front end world. Maybe I'll, I will get into it eventually, but uh, I I fucking gave up on this shit long time ago. <laughs> it's too fucking. Because, um, I think I I, I yeah. built a pretty complex one using Backbone. That was the first uh, thing, oh, and also EXTJS yeah. and Dojo and other shit as well. Um, I think Backbone was fun, but with CoffeeScript especially, uh, because yeah. the same guy who was who was building Backbone with CoffeeScript uh, was that was pretty nice. But I, I didn't get too much into ClojureScript because mostly I'm I'm working with big data. Data, okay, big, okay, big is a relative term, but <laughs> mostly working with data. So uh, I think it's the JVM and uh, backend stuff that is much more interesting for me. Mm -hmm. I think I'll I'll wait until you know all the thing dust settles down in in probably in forty years we don't have like seventy different frameworks and some other shit in JavaScript constantly. Yeah, but it's, but it does seem like that now. I mean, don't you think like the React Native is basically one? I'm I'm not really oh, React, convinced sorry, with React one. Native though. React. No, I mean React. Yeah, I think it's, it's converging, right? But the thing is that it's a similar wave that happened with Angular, and and everybody wanted to do Angular applications because. And then I saw like, what the fuck? This is basically Spring in JavaScript. Like, yeah. okay, <laughs> interesting, I guess. <laughs> and then React came in. Uh, I, I think React is a pretty nice uh, thing. I think it's converging towards React. Everybody wants to build mm. just React applications. So that's mm -hmm. pretty cool. But for the front end, I think um, I'm still kind of old school because I, I'm convinced that I should, if I'm gonna build something on the desktop, I would go for the native language for some reason. I'm I'm not sure why. <laughs> I feel yeah. Yeah. I feel I should do it in Swift, you know, like that is I think the, I think the problem though is that if you're it's okay if you're if you're making a hobby project, but if you're trying to make something like like for the phones and for the desktop and for the web, then having all those languages, you really got to, you've really got to work out that there is a there is a big payback 
for actually dropping down into each of those languages rather than using a framework like ClojureScript to get the benefit yeah. across all of them because you know the investment you're going to make is pretty huge to maintain all of those projects in a kind of like nice visual, to have a, to have a common visual experience and all that kind of stuff across platform. Yeah. It's going to be hellish, really. You yeah. know? So you have to have a... You have to have a really good argument for it. But I guess it's your point, Roman, your your company's point. That's why they're using the closure and closure script stack, because they can get the benefit across all of the uh devices. Yeah, exactly. Like time to market is immediate. You reach to every platform, including web. Yeah. So that, that's yeah, yeah. very good. Yeah, I mean that's what we see in Slack or you know, all the new chat applications essentially using, you know, this this uh platform. And then taking, I don't know, the fuck, I mean, like 800 gigabytes of memory just to run this shit. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, mental. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, that's, that's, that's the bad part of it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw some open source, not open source, but there is a project. Um, there is a person who is building cross-platform chat applications, but in C or C++. Uh, sorry, not, no, not, not in C or C++, but a language called V. So he's building his own language. And then he's building like a chat applications uh, very native, so it's like super tiny binary, and it doesn't mm. take this much of memory. And it talks to Slack, it talks to you know IRC and all the stuff. Yeah. So maybe we need a different runtime. I think it's uh, as you were pointing out, Roman. I mean, there is this the baseline of of Electron application is the twenty years of um, fucking browser shit that it yeah, needs to render. I dream so, that one day we are going to have a switch in a browser where you can just switch off all the legacy stuff. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So maybe maybe there is some sort of a build tool that can you know do the tree shaking or something from the code and remove all this crap and then you, you build like tiny Chrome you know yeah it would be, there is actually a couple of projects I've seen that are like uh, the port of the WebKit for embedded devices and it's like super tiny I think even yeah. PS4 is using WebKit oh. like this mm. the small version yeah. of it the, the UI is rendered in WebGL or something yeah yeah. That'd be super cool. I think. But, I think to be honest, I don't see there. I don't think there should be a particular problem with that, for uh, especially for electron apps. I mean, that, that looks like because you know you're shipping the code. You're shipping. I mean, standard web browsers are a bit different because they're expected to support code from everywhere. So fair yeah, enough, exactly. you know. But you control but, the environment. But I think with electron apps, you, you can do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So talking about native stuff, maybe before we go to native things. Um, so, uh, the what is the application that you're building for Android? Rep Replete or Repl Replete, yeah. on Android? Yeah, so it's uh, the Mike Fikes built the original yeah. application for iOS, I believe, in 2015 or something. Yeah. yeah, so it's a basically iOS application with embedded JavaScript core engine, which is in Safari browser, mm -hmm. and it runs the self-hosted uh, Closure Script. Yeah. So at and I was using it a lot until I broke my iPhone and <laughs> switched to Android. A cheap, shitty Android. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was interested in what it would take to build such an application for Android and also practice a little bit uh, mobile stuff. Hmm. And it hmm. turned out to be a very nice experience, especially for a web, web developer uh, who is like spoiled with dynamic languages hot code reloading and everything mm. it's it, it's still really good you can have sort of uh, hot reloading for uh, 
Android because they, they if you change only view logic, it auto reloads the view instead of recompiling the whole application. Mm. So it's nice and also Kotlin and feels good. Yeah. But is this available on the Play Store now that you need to yeah, publish it's already, it? Yeah, it's already in beta. You can you can go to Play Store, search Replete, and join the beta program and start it and try. So it's, it, instead of JavaScript core on, uh, on Android, it runs V8, just because of it was much easier. There is already a library with Java bindings, and you can use it uh, directly from Kotlin. The, the interop between Kotlin and Java is super seamless. You don't have to yeah. do anything. Yeah. Nice. I understand that JavaScript code does run on Android, though. Yeah, you can do that. But I I mean, I didn't want to spend time on writing by No, no, so. sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's what React Native uses, isn't it? Yeah, they also use JavaScript code because uh, apparently it's much faster. And I believe, I believe even the performance test of ClojureScript show that uh, JavaScript core is much better at executing compiled ClojureScript than V8. Which is weird mm. to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did, did, did you know that the, in the latest uh, chips on mobile, Apple included uh, JavaScript tailored instructions for working with floating point numbers? So I didn't they reserve semantic of the, of the floating point number on a CPU. There is a set of new instructions. That, and that's why new uh, iPhones are like four times faster than iMac Pro. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. that. That's interesting. Yeah. So they've actually yeah, that's really cool. put, put the JavaScript on the metal. Wow. I guess when you, when you can design your own chips, you have that option. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's means, that probably means a lot for React Native as well. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm. But how, how do you um, handle all the NPM uh, bullshit, like the, all the, you know, the bazillion libraries and all these things? I don't know. I don't use it much. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is one way of using it. <laughs> Makes sense, I, I think. Like, like in those four or something years that I use ClojureScript, like nothing has changed. Like a reagent yeah. is the same. Everything is the same. Yeah. But at the same time, NPM ecosystem grows, and especially the React ecosystem grows, and you get more and more very nice like UI primitives that you can yeah. start using without rebuilding everything yourself. So it's just consuming the modules. Yeah, that that's a nice uh, nice segue into I think the 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 UI. What do you mean by UI primitives? Like you web components or or something no, like that? No, I, I mean some like let's say more or less stateless components yep. that, for example, like tables, buttons, I don't know, sliders. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to build a custom select uh, on a web today, it's it's madness. If you want to yep. uh, handle all of the focus, keyboard stuff, uh, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so it's very nice to be able to use that. But you're also experimenting with building something for a native like that, right? The UI components, or did I understand? Uh... Yeah, so uh, I was wondering, because I was working with React Native a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and I really liked the model that you basically provide bindings for native UI controls into JavaScript environment. And I was wondering why is no one doing this for desktop? Because Electron right now is basically what PhoneGap was before React Native. It's just mm -hmm. a yep. web view wrapped into full screen container, right? And no one is seem to be interested in that for doing for the desktop. I don't know, maybe maybe it's not much demand on the market for that. 
Mm. I don't know the So can can I, you give us a bit of a background like what exactly the the problem that uh, that you think that needs to be solved for this one? I like mean, what does the library is, uh, do? There are a lot of different uh, toolkits already for native UI like the most popular probably is uh, GTK, right? Yeah, yeah. Or Qt so, or GTK, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it would be very nice to have a dynamic environment where you can execute javascript or whatever dynamic language and have the native like hardware graphics speed yeah yeah so it would, it would be very cool yeah so you're talking about like this notion of being able to use like 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 with the iphone or the android where you've got like the 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 native web the native um toolkits so they've they've already got all of the bits and pieces or you can write all the bits and pieces in like your native language like swift or java or kotlin or whatever and you're saying you'd like to be able to do that for like some electron app so if you could have like a gtk control or something like that which was super fast like a super smooth scroller or something like that or Re- window resize or I don't know what I don't know what's kind of slow on electron really probably everything but you know <laughs> yeah but if there's one specific thing with the scrolling or with the the scaling or whatever you'd like to be able to just get a native version of that and integrate it but it's hard at the moment is that the problem yeah sure it, no it, it would be nice I didn't think about it but it would be nice if you could like on electron if you could provide native controls but I was thinking more uh of a way that is uh, Flutter, Google's Flutter is doing yeah. it. So that's they provide you basically a canvas where you can draw anything. So instead of uh, using native controls which look different on every platform, it would right. be nice to have this like dynamic environment, uh, which provides you bindings to OpenGL and you can just draw anything that you want. Of course, it would require to re-implement like the events model, the scrolling, everything basically. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the essential yeah. problem, isn't it? With uh, the canvas yeah. and that whole thing. It's, it's yeah. just a reinvention of the web, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. But it will go fast though, yes. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But isn't, isn't it something, uh, because uh, there should be something using SVG on the web for this kind of things, right? Mm, yeah. Like you can use SVG to, to build this components so to speak mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. there is a behavior that need that you need to attach to those things i mean rendering is is done by svg uh, there, there could be something like that i think but on native mm-hmm. I, ha- i have no idea so if you're using opengl then um, or or something to draw you need a surface to draw on uh, yeah. some graphics context probably yeah uh, so you you're you, you're working on bringing javascript into this or or how how does this how does where is the dynamic thing coming from Yeah, it's, it's, it's more like experiments. So I was, yeah. um, I was thinking about it a lot and then I, I saw this uh, project in OCaml in Reason. So they mm-hmm. basically uh, do the same, but they compile to native binary and compile to WebAssembly for web. But it's it's really good that they, they do it for uh, as a native bi- binary for, um, for desktop. But yep. compiling everything to WebAssembly for browser means that they run UI on a WebGL. Then you don't have, I don't know, like accessibility, basic stuff. Mm, yeah. And for desktop as well, they you have to use uh, accessibility frameworks on every OS if you want to make your interface accessible. If you draw it as yeah. you know, OpenGL, it's just a canvas with only visual stuff. 
Yeah. Mm. So I was, was I was thinking it would be really nice that you can actually use uh, React ecosystem. So React mm. has this ability to write your own custom reconciler. They extracted in recent versions, they extracted into separate package. It's called just React Reconciler. And the Reconciler is basically a function that emits a set of command for two different UI trees. So when, mm -hmm. it, when it did diff, it converts it into like five or six commands, like create, delete, node, create, change, attribute, delete, attribute. Mm -hmm. And you can apply it to any target that you want. You can reconcile like the UI on OpenGL or just maybe maybe even talk to server. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, that is where the nice instruction for everything. Do, do you have like a uh, what state you are in when you are still experimenting with it, right? I mean, is there something that, that you already... Um... No, I'm mostly experimenting. So I was thinking about like uh, run Node.js instance. Or, uh, mm. Write a little bit of interop uh, code as a native add-on for Node.js, like provide bindings for window controls mm. or scrolling for events and OpenGL. And the nice thing is that, for example, OpenGL maps one-to-one -one with WebGL because basically mm -hmm. WebGL is OpenGL for the web. So it was very easy to uh, to bind OpenGL to WebGL. And then you can run every like JavaScript library for 3D, like 3GS, and oh. yeah, have 3D stuff very fast. Yeah, sounds yeah. sounds so, pretty interesting. So I think we will keep following you. I think once you have the uh, probably I don't demo think or something, I will get that anywhere with this because uh, like take a look work, at working it. alone. On no this pressure. Is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but make it awesome. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in, you. I think in a, in a couple of weeks, if we can get the demo, that would be super nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think we are. Oh wow, almost one hour. Nice. Um, so, okay. I, I was just uh, talking to you before we we started recording. Uh, you're there at Closure D, right? I mean, uh, yeah. So, any any impressions uh, from Closure D? I was there too, uh, but I think it's better to hear from you. <laughs> Yeah, it was a nice conference. Yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, uh, nice talks. I think the favorite uh, talk for me was the uh, that uh, the German guy the, about yeah. Lisp history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very nice to. I like that he was talking about like the local stuff that it was going on in Germany, not the entire world. So you learn a little bit of uh, Lisp history in Germany. Yeah, that's Very true. I think that that was like really interesting talk. I think of uh, the like West Germany and then East Germany, and there is a Lisp, uh, you know, movement everywhere, and and that was super fun. I think one of the best things was the 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 whole compilation was uh, essentially taking your punch cards and going by S bahn and then actually going to the <laughs> machine and and putting the punch cards in. That was that was super fun to hear. You know, like how much we have changed in 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 just uh, 20, 30 years. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and I really like the talk by um, Paul, uh, Paulus uh, Esterhazy, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's also from Pitch, um, mm -hmm. the, the philosophy of combining things, composition, and that one was yeah. pretty nice. Yeah, it was very abstract talk. Yeah, very philosophical. <laughs> but it was a very nice conference. I mean, uh, I, I was, the, the, I think it did. 
because it's a two track thing you know there is this missing out on some other tax you know like missing out on some other yeah. tax in another one it was uh, it was fun but it was um, pretty nice of uh, ingo and uh, the organizers to invite us on the on the stage as well so i was able to talk about dcd for 5 minutes and and mm-hmm. i met uh, a lot of people from heart of closure as well arne running out of heart of closure um, so i think uh, we we we're, we're getting we we there are dozens of us you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so, really nice to be like in a in a room with a lot of people who are interested in the same stuff that you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's, what it's, I like it's, about closure conferences is that they are not feeling like a festival, you know, like thousand people super expensive <laughs> conference or something where you don't know anyone, like and no one give a fuck about you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think if I, you if you go to like Java World or something, you know, one of those things, they 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 they're just like a probably like a village or something you know like uh, yeah. I mean not a, not a russian village but probably an indian village you know like huge amount yeah. of people and and you're just one of those persons and a lot of exhibitors etc but it's yeah, still really cozy like and the nice uh, nice environment yeah so um any other topics that uh, we want to cover uh, i don't know okay so we will wait for your uh, native uh, um toolkit in a, in a couple of weeks so i think uh, maybe first <laughs> april or so <laughs> no pressure again <laughs> just to give a um a quick uh, update on on uh, because we we're talking about conferences and um, uh, so dutch closure day is going to happen on 6th of april uh, we just published most of the talks i think there is still one talk that we need to uh, pick uh it's been a big challenge for the for the program committee to pick the seven talks out of 42 uh-huh. uh, i mean they're they're so amazing like the, the all the proposals are so awesome we were actually thinking shit you know next year we really want to have like you know two two day conference um wow that would be because good, the, because we we really want to have all these talks and it was so difficult to pick what what mm. uh, we want to have uh but i think we have a very nice uh, combination of uh, of uh, talks uh, both beginner and tooling and real world and mm. a bit of things so it's going to be fun um we are planning a couple of fun activities as well i think more uh, once we send an email out for uh, for all the attendees uh, it'll be uh, i think more uh, uh, in, in out in the public but we are looking forward for the uh, to the conference and um of course there is a big shout out uh, i want to give a big shout out to heart of closure that is going to happen in august i think the cfp is still open um i think they so, closed it actually no uh, no i think they extended oh, they just uh, extended it actually yeah yeah a bit uh, i need to look it up uh, and also closure tray as well uh, and enclosure so all these people on the stage on closure d so we are essentially trying to work together mm. to to make sure that you know we we give like a uh, different flavors of conference for for you know catering it to everybody in enclosure community so i hope uh, I'll, i'll see some of you at uh, at Clo- dutch closure day or probably heart of closure maybe uh, in belgium yeah. and closure tray is in helsinki somewhere in september i guess uh, we'll put the links on the on the thing so That's it from us. Um Ray, do you have any list of people that you want to give a shout out to? Uh I'm not very well organized today, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so we thank everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh Of course. Yeah. Actually uh, Roman is uh buying his way onto the show in fact. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
So if, if any of the Patreons do want to uh, shout up and uh, join on to the show. Yeah, exactly. You just give us one dollar, we'll put you on the show. You know, that's that's super easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bribe us, so that, please. That's the one I've re- I, I don't have to remember, but I do remember that he's on the list. So <laughs> maybe we've given you a shout out before, but we can give you a special one today as well. <laughs> so, so thank you for your money and thank you for your ideas. You know, it's uh, <laughs> both are welcome. <laughs> I think I think we are the first podcast ever that the listeners are the people who are the guests, you know, like yeah, exactly. basically one to one, and they're also the people who pay to be on the podcast oh, yeah. or you know help us out to to run the cost or something. Uh. <laughs> that that's a healthy ecosystem. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks a lot for for your support. Um, I think uh, we uh, will uh, put the money to good use, and it's helping us in uh, in covering the costs as well. Yeah. Um, and um, that's it from us uh, today. Yeah, thank you very uh, much, Roman. We'll... It was really good fun, and, uh, yeah. and I, you know, I think everyone should check out the uh, the beta uh, version of Replete on Android um, because you know it's done good work there. I think uh, keeping uh, keeping get, getting the reach of Closure and ClosureScript across more platforms is uh, solid work. So really well done. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot being for being on the show. Thank you. And for all the lovely money. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. That's it. Goodbye. And uh, we'll uh, see you in in a week. Yeah.